Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast. I'm Josh, with me today is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Mixed emotions. Mixed emotions, eh? Yeah, well, I mean, number one, I, I did win last week. Had a pretty good fantasy week and a week that I, you know, maybe shouldn't have won, but I won clinching second place in our league with one week left in our regular season. So that makes me feel good. Uh, Not so great because for about the, uh, how many times in a row that I've done fantasy football, I have had a major injury to my team uh, heading into the playoffs. This happens every year. It's usually someone I just recently acquired. They, you've joked about it on this podcast, but it, it is true. People come to my team and they break their faces and never play football again. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting it to be uh, T- uh, Tyler Hawkinson or TJ Hawkinson. Uh, <laughs> well, but... because that would have hurt me a lot because I did. I don't really have a backup tight end. <laughs> yep. That, well, exactly. So I figured, you know, the fantasy football gods would punish you in the most painful way possible. But instead, they decided to... Take Jimmy Garoppolo, old Jimmy G, out of the uh, out of the fantasy realm for you. Yeah, and that's uh, you know again, as you pointed out to me, he's technically my backup quarterback. But with that being said, him and Tua have been kind of neck and neck points for me. And Jimmy G, the one thing that Garoppolo has done really well this year is he's getting you twenty points. That's what he's getting you. He's getting you 20 points. He's not getting you 12. He's not getting you 35, but he's getting you 20 points. So he's almost safer of a pick than anyone else because his consistency was off the charts this year. Yeah. Yep. You're not wrong. And uh, you know who hasn't gotten 20 points in the past two weeks? Who's that? Tua. Tua. <laughs> yeah. Tua. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I started Garoppolo this, this past week because of that. You know, Tua had played okay, but not great. And frankly, I needed a little, I wanted that consistent point scoring. I need my quarterback to score over 20 points to have a chance to win a game in our league. So I started Jimmy G and what happened? He's done for fantasy season. He might be back for NFL playoffs, but he's done for fantasy. Yeah. So now you've got to ride Tua into uh, potentially into the championship week against New England. And I picked up, that's why I picked up good old Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Baker Mayfield, because he has inspired confidence in everyone. He is ranked QB 32 on the year. Listen, listen, he's a Ram now, (laughs) right? Like he, they signed him and he's going to start. Oh, I'm sure he's going to start. That doesn't mean you you should start him. That's what am two I very supposed to do? What, like, seriously? What, what would you, what would you suggest? I'm, and I'm being serious here. I might actually take your advice, right? <laughs> you're, you're. This is the podcast. It's all about giving advice. Who the heck, as a backup quarterback, who has a chance to give me something, should I, should I be taking here? Like, who, <laughs> like, should I be taking Brock? What's his name? Purdy. Brock Purdy. <laughs> Matt uh, Ryan. I, I would maybe wait a minute on Purdy because, I mean, he did not play bad, to be no, fair. No, he didn't play awful, no. So he might be, he. I don't know if he'll reach the same floor that Jimmy Garoppolo had, but, you know, he might be a, a safe fantasy option. 
Um, I would still probably play Tua over him, though, because Tua can can run. And it's and, the, it's the matchups here, right? Like that's the other thing. Yeah. The quarterbacks that are left. Okay, Mike White, who plays Seattle in the champion. I'm just talking about the championship game. Kenny Pickett plays Baltimore. Andy Dalton plays Philadelphia. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like what? Like seriously, I can take Desmond Ritter, who I've never heard of. Or Matt Ryan or Brock Purdy or, or Taylor Heineke. Like, these are not great choices. I would rather roll the die on Baker Mayfield doing something wild once <laughs> than, than any of those guys. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he just doesn't repeat his week one performance of 16 points against New England. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. That's the thing. Is that was not That's not a great matchup. And having that option would have been nice, but you're right. I'm I'm stuck with Tua. He's got to be my guy through the playoffs. I'm finishing second, so just like last year, I have a I have a good chance of getting back to the Super Bowl once again this year. But whew, it's going to be an uphill battle now because of losing Garoppolo. And Tua is technically questionable. He is he's also hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. I guess that's that's what happens when you don't draft it like a superstar when you wait later if if things go off the rails you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I I had such low draft picks in our first couple rounds that I went with the best running backs and receivers that I could get and thought by the time I get here the quarterbacks that I want are all gone anyway. So I only had a few choices and I, you know, I opted to uh I opted to wait and take to it. Like he was my first pick as a quarterback, thinking he'd have a great year. His injury kind of set him back a bit, but aside from that, he he has been excellent. That's just not yeah, a great matchup for him. He's the QB ten on the year, so I mean, for what you got at running back and wide receiver in comparison, I mean, he's still a top top ten quarterback, mm-hmm. so that still works out. But the difference between a number two or number three overall quarterback versus number 10 is, is very different. Yeah. Uh, well, but well, now to, to be fair, he did miss of those games because of the injuries. So who knows what he would be if he had played in every mm-hmm. single game. Right. And what do you think it is? Like all joking aside, you've also pointed this out. We're not, we're not just being funny. I do have this kind of rotten luck streak here. What is that? <laughs> and why is it always it. me? <laughs> Honestly, man, there, there just always seems to be someone in every fantasy league who is the Grim Reaper. And <laughs> unfortunately for you, it's it's you in our league. But but this year has been pretty bad overall. Like, you know, uh, Trey Lance was gone. Cooper Cup, Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of big names have have disappeared. So, yeah, game, it's like, unfortunate really game for you. Changers, right? Like, that's the thing. Pitts, like, these names are giving Cup, Pitts. To uh, like these are game changers. Like they they can elevate your team. Like I'm specifically, I'm thinking of the the person who had Cooper Cup in our league mm-hmm. would have probably had a much better team if Cooper Cup had stayed healthy. Like he for a couple weeks he was winning again and again because he had Josh Allen, Cooper Cup, he had Jalen Waddle who had a couple of really good weeks in there. Like they were just flying, but Cup isn't healthy, so nope. it really ends up hurting you. Yeah, and the problem is that now your your injury to Jimmy G happened after our trade deadline, so yeah. you don't even have the option now of selling another piece to improve your quarterback position. 
Which because, I would <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now, now we're past that point. So now you're stuck with whatever's on the waiver wire. And when you get to this point of the year, it's usually not much, especially at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Totally. But uh, Jimmy G was not the only one to, to go down this past week. Lamar Jackson uh, suffered a PCL injury. Uh, thankfully, in term, I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's a more minor uh, injury to suffer. So he's he could be back within one to three weeks. So like obviously mm-hmm. he won't play this week, but the week after that, I mean, he could be back just in time for uh, fantasy playoffs. Yeah. So that, unfortunately, the f- you might not get him back until championship week or the week after if you're a fantasy manager. So hopefully you have some sort of backup plan in place. I don't know if Tyler Huntley is who I would want to try to roll through the fantasy playoffs with. It might at that point just be, okay, who has the best matchup? Yeah, that's fair. Um, which like, is something that you could do, but then you have to sacrifice some pieces to do it. So it, you know, there's some give and take there. Mm-hmm. And anyone that you give away, I can promise, is not going to come back to you because you and I are at the bottom of the waiver wire priority. So someone else is going to pick them up and probably use them against us. 100%. You know, in a second round matchup or something. Right. Like, again, and it's it's fantasy. Anything can happen. You can't look ahead. But assuming that things go well and your first and second place team can win a first round matchup, then you got to start figuring, okay, the second round's when it starts to get really tough. Like you should win your first round matchup. And then the second round, at least in our league, that's when it gets really tough. And one of those second round teams, I could see picking up a piece. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, We already kind of brushed on Tua. So Tua did have an ankle injury. He could be okay. Could not be. I will have to wait and see how he plays on the field. Uh, mm. Obviously, you're still going to start him, especially you. You don't really have another choice. I don't have a choice, <laughs> but, but most people uh, should. I mean, he's a great, as you're saying, he's a great quarterback. Obviously, keep an eye on the injury, but you should be starting to. Yeah, and, and everything we've kind of heard from Miami doesn't seem like it's anything too serious, but mm. ankles are weird, especially when you're the quarterback because you're planting off your foot, and he's yeah. a running quarterback, so. He might be able to throw fine, but maybe the running is gone. Yeah. And that and would it takes really hurt you. Ever to heal an ankle. Yes. And I, well, I mean, look at last year. Uh, I think it was Barkley. Somebody just stepped on his foot mm-hmm. or he tripped over someone's foot and that ruined him for fantasy for the rest of the year. So things can happen so just so out of your control that you just got to just surrender yourself to the fantasy football gods at that point. Yeah. Um, Trevor Lawrence got injured as well. Somehow, I don't know if you saw that, but I don't know how he walk, was able to get up off the field and not have like his entire kneecap destroyed. Yeah, um, that was, I mean, that was, he probably, honestly, he dodged a bullet there. Like, well, that so could've, with, that could have been so much worse. Yeah, that could have been easily season ending at, yeah. at best, really. Mm-hmm. Especially this late in the season, it could have taken out half of next season or a full next season as well. But did you see what the medical diagnosis was? No. After all of that and how awful it looked, he was diagnosed with a sprained toe. (laughs) That's it? That's it. And he's considered day to day. (laughs) Yeah. So I would fully expect him to play this week. Hmm. And it's a good matchup for him if he does play. So if you have him in your lineup, 
you should be okay. Obviously, keep an eye on it. Uh, if further down the road, it's looking like he's not going to practice, and oh, you know, we don't think he's going to play. Obviously, make your adjustments, but it, it does seem like he he's made of Teflon, and he completely avoided a major injury. Um, but another injury to keep an eye on is the Kenneth Walker injury. And what makes that even worse, though, is that so his was, I believe, a low ankle sprain, which do heal faster than the, the high ankle sprains, mm-hmm. but still could be a few weeks that he's out. The bigger problem, though, is that it's not as easy as, OK, well, I'll just pick up his replacement or the guy behind him until he's healthy, because both of the guys behind him also got injured in that game. Right. And one of them just had to go back in the game and play as best as he could while being injured because they literally had no one else to put out on the field. <laughs> so no choice. <laughs> no. So I, I don't even know what to really recommend to you other than try to find some other running back on some other team and keep Kenneth Walker on your bench until you know he's healthy and he's going to play because trying to pick up someone on the Seahawks is at this point, you're probably just picking up another injured player or you're picking up somebody off the practice squad who we have no idea what they're going to look like, how they're going to play, and you're just rolling the dice. I mean, it could 100% work out for you. Mm-hmm. They could have a, a boom game and you look like a genius, but they could also go out there and run the ball five times the entire game and just focus on the passing game because they have Geno Smith who's been playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is it is really a risk because Geno Gino, has been playing so well that it starts to you start to rethink your offense a little bit and you know, you need, you need an effective pass and running game. I think to have an effective pass and running game, if you know what I mean, like an effective running game is really effective when you're passing well, because it gives the defense something second to think about. So I think they, they still need to have a consistent running game and they still need to, to work, you know, anybody in, into that system, if they're going to have a good passing game, but especially this past week, the way Seattle played, like their offense and Geno Smith, like it's when it's on fire, it's one of the best in the league. Like it's incredible how how well he plays. But he also disappears. Like you know this about Geno Smith. He disappears every once in a while and he doesn't get a good game out of him. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, another uh, bit of medical news, bit of controversy is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So he's left Dallas without a contract because they're concerned that his knee is not healthy enough mm. and a bit of controversy of over them potentially leaking medical information by going into detail saying that he hasn't healed enough to be ready until at least mid January. Yeah. So we, w- we went from, okay, he's signing with the team on Thanksgiving to he might not sign with anyone because of the Cowboys putting it out there that medically he, sh- he's not ready to play and you shouldn't yeah. sign him. So we'll see. I mean, maybe the Giants are still desperate enough. They're willing to take a chance. I don't know. Boy, did that did that story take a turn? Like it yeah. was it was all uphill. Like he's gonna make an announcement at Thanksgiving, and he's gonna he's got these three teams, and we you know we were talking about he's a game changer if you get him in here, and now suddenly he might not even sign with anybody. Yeah, so I think if you're still holding on to him, you you could probably let him go again. If, if that's being released, then NFL teams know what they're doing. And if they're saying it doesn't look like he's going to be ready, then he probably isn't, despite whatever he might say. Because you can't trust the players. They're always going to say, no, I'm 100% ready. I'm going to be playing. I'm ready to go. And then they end up getting sat out because the team makes the decision, not them. 
And sometimes it's for the player's best interest. You know, maybe they very well could go play, but the chance of re-injuring themselves is so high, it's not worth it. Uh, so I would say you can probably let Odell Beckham go back to the, the free agent waiver wire world and pick up someone else who is actually going to play. Yeah, yeah. Might as well get rid of him. And the uh, final injury I just wanted to touch on was the uh, the news that came out earlier today. So we're filming today on Wednesday. Uh, with Corton Sutton's hamstring injury. So he's expected not to play this week. And just another nail in the coffin for the terrible Broncos defense this year. Does it does it really make a difference having certain pieces? I believe you also meant offense. What did I say? Defense. Did I? Yeah, you said oh. terrible defense. <laughs> well, their defense is I mean, actually very good. So yeah, their their defense is fine. But like, does let me just ask you: Do you really think Cortland Sutton or any of their offensive pieces, other than Russell Wilson, makes an impact? Considering how bad Russell Wilson's been, with with how bad Russell Wilson has been, no. Yeah. But they've they've still been at least good for fantasy. Sure. Um, like at the start of the season, Corton Sutton was the main target. He was decent for fantasy just because of the volume. Then that shifted to Jerry Judy. Right. Then it shifted back to Corton Sutton because Judy was injured. And then Judy came back, and now it's back to Jerry Judy again. So Sutton leaving doesn't have a big impact, but it does. It has a trickle-down effect because now, instead of having two targets that he really always throws to, it's just the one. And it just lets defenses basically focus in on that one player, right? You know, it's like when you have just Devontae Adams that you're throwing the ball to. Well, would they know where the ball is going? So they're going to cover him. When you have an elite player like Devontae Adams, it still works out for everyone because he's still going to catch the ball. But if you just have an yeah. average or even a good talented player, the defender is going to lock him down a lot more than he's going to be able to make those catches. You're making so, a fair point. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So ultimately, just stay away from the Broncos offense. Unless you don't have any better options, then you can hope that in a certain matchup it'll work out for you. But I think the ship has sailed and I, they're on the border of being eliminated uh, for playoff contention, I believe. Mm. So just uh, just stay away if you can. Do you think they're um, they're going to make a coaching change, even though he's a first-year head coach? I did see an article the other day that they're expecting to fire him, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just rumor or if anything official had been put out there. But I, d- I did see that they were pl- not planning on having him come back for a second year. There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, how can you blame them? Yeah, you, you can't. I mean... Like, look how terrible. It just The team's terrible. I don't know who to blame. I mean, the general manager, not the coach, gave Russell Wilson that massive contract. But but Russell Wilson, you know, has been a pretty good quarterback at times. Like, he has done well, but he also was on a very good team. So I just think he didn't – maybe he wasn't what they thought he was. But the coaching – like, the coach is usually the next thing that goes. And I just can't see him sticking around. Like, not after this season when they put all their hopes on – because you like you said, because they have a good defense. I think they were thinking, okay, we're going to add Russell Wilson, and this is a piece that's going to get us over the edge. Yeah, I, I never understood why they offered him as much money as they did before even seeing him play a single snap. But clearly they've learned 
they should not have done that. I and mean, who knows, though, with these contracts, though? Look how much Watson got. I mean, again, he was he was good in, in uh, Houston, but, like, the amount of money that some quarterbacks get when you're bringing them in without getting to know the player is wild. Yeah. I, well, the, the Watson thing is just it's it's nuts anyways, like the amount of guaranteed money that he's getting and everything. Mm. And then the way that he performed this past week, like it's just a mess. But with the Broncos, they brought him in with a certain amount of money and then they gave him even more before seeing him play, which that's what I don't understand. Because I understand if you were to lure a quarterback from away from another team, you have to offer a ton of money. I get mm-hmm. that. That's just the name of the game, how the NFL works. But if you already brought him here for a hundred dollars why are we jumping it up to 500 before we even see him play we yeah. already have him here let's see what we got because yeah. you could have saved yourself a ton of time and money that you've now invested into him after probably week one you would have said "Ooh, maybe not let's see how the rest of this goes yeah i look forward to the off season because i love contract talk and money in the so like i would a, the general manager is the most appealing position to me in sports. So I love this kind of talk. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to the off season in this first year of our podcast, because we're going to talk contracts. Yep. I think this will be a busy off season. There's going to be quite a few teams that need to make some moves here. Yeah, definitely. But we'll move on to uh, talking about week 13 and the week 13 review. So you can find the full article at uh, conqueryourdraft.com. It's published every Tuesday morning. So we'll start at the quarterback position. So conquerors in week 13, we had Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff. So Goff Goff and the Lions (laughs) completely embarrassed the Jaguars. Like that was, yeah, that was a very lopsided game. Uh, And I, you know, Again, we, we know that the Lions can can explode offensively, um, but I just wasn't expecting it to be that lopsided. No, me either. Um, their defense has done a complete 180. Uh, we'll talk about... Uh, you know what? Maybe we won't talk about it later, so I'll talk about it now. So their defense started off the year as one of the league's worst run defense mm-hmm. and a strong pass... Or I can't remember if they were strong. Maybe they were just average. But anyways, you ran on them you ran the ball down their throat and that's what you did when you played them. But now they're almost in the top 10 of rushing defenses mm-hmm. and they're in the bottom of the league for passing defense. So <laughs> they've done a weird 180 and it used to be a great matchup to target with your running backs. And now it's a great matchup to target with your quarterbacks and your wide receivers. I don't, I haven't paid that much attention to Detroit. So I don't know if they had some injuries there and that's what's led to this or what happened, but it's, it's so weird that halfway through a season, they just completely switched. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't paid much attention to Detroit either. Maybe we should start. But I, I feel even with their good season, I honestly felt like Detroit's a team that's still on the rise. So next year, they might be worth paying more attention to. Like, I think this is a stepping stone season in the right direction. But I, I still, you know, at least for this year, for like playoff contention, which is something I care about. And for fantasy players, it's like, there's a couple players I want on there, but that would be it. Yeah. I mean, they're only two spots out of the final playoff spot right now. So yeah, they are. I don't think they're going to make it though. You never know. I mean, the giants, like we've talked about, they've, they've somehow ridden 
into the playoffs by luck, I have to imagine, was the only thing really getting them this far. So if they could uh, finish, if Detroit could finish with a better record than Washington and the Giants, they can sneak into that final spot. Yep, they could. They could. It's going to be tight, though. There's a couple teams in the running there. It's going to be a tight one. Yeah, it, the, it, it will be a very tight uh, finish for both sides, really. There's, I'd say the top, the four or five teams on the bubble on both sides are easily able to sneak in. It only would take one win going their way. Mm-hmm. So it would definitely be very interesting for, and, and good for fantasy football because you have so many teams who are still competing. Yes. No, it is. It, it helps the fantasy for sure to have your team be at least competitive for a playoff spot. Like it does make a difference. Uh, but we'll move on to our, our bus for the week. So Lamar Jackson, Jimmy Garoppolo, we already talked about it. Both got injured. Deshaun Watson, John Wolford, Kyle Allen. So Deshaun Watson, he, uh, you know what? The the offense didn't score a, a touchdown in that game. Their defense no, scored three defense touchdowns. Scored. Yeah. Well, sorry, their special teams and defense scored. And defense, yeah. Yeah, so that's not that's not good. I mean, he looked rusty on his own. He only threw for 131 yards and an interception. It it just kind of seemed weird. Like I don't know. I didn't really like what Cleveland was doing with their offense. They weren't running it with Nick Chubb. They were letting Kareem Hunt in a fair amount of times. I didn't really understand why Um, they weren't really utilizing Watson's running ability either. I I don't know. Maybe it was just kind of growing pains and they knew they were going to win the game. So they didn't really worry about it too much, but it's pretty concerning for how they're using him. So maybe, maybe next week or this week, sorry, in week 14, we'll get a better look at it, but it's pretty painful. Like it might take some time for them to to kind of work him in and figure it out because the Browns, like the Browns are a team that could be and should be much better than their record. And obviously they didn't have Watson for most of the year. They still have two excellent top high end talent running backs that should lead again to success because you can roll one, you can roll the other, and then that should open up your passing game. But Watson, who's a it's a pretty decent mobile quarterback. They just didn't really use him the way I thought. And this would have been the game. Like, that they won, which is fine against his former team. But I I was kind of more thinking along the lines that you were last week when we had that discussion. As I thought about it more, I'm like, this is this is the game you usually get up for. Where you're like, I want to I wanna play my former team. And I want to play them well. Yeah. Uh, instead, he just got booed a lot and did nothing. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe yeah. he should, uh, maybe he should, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but honestly, at the end of the day, like he probably doesn't care. Look how much money he's making. Yeah, that's true. Just focus on being a better person and yeah, maybe the rest will come. Really you know? what he should do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to our running back conquerors. So we had Christian McCaffrey, Samaje P. Ryan, DeAndre Swift, Josh Jacobs, AJ Dillon, and Tony Pollard. So mm. AJ Dillon capitalizing on the Aaron Jones injury. Forgot to mention him, so he had a shin injury. I do believe, well, they're going on to a bye this week anyway, so I'd, I don't imagine he'll still be out when they come back for week 15 for the fantasy playoffs. But A.J. Dillon came through 
if you if you had it in you to start him this past week, 93 yards and a touchdown with plus three catches for 26 yards, pretty good for someone I think was projected to get like four fantasy points, five. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good return. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the running back position, so we had four different teams where their entire running running back stable backfield, whatever you want to call it, were all terrible, no matter who you had. So we had <laughs> we had the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Seahawks, and the Falcons. Not a single one of those teams had a strong fantasy finish at the running back position. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Wilson had one carry. Don't know what happened there. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Wilson, one carry. <laughs> yeah. It almost seems fake. You know what I mean? Like, it almost seems like it's not a real thing. Like, someone's t- making a joke. The Dolphins running back room? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, just, just the idea of, like, they bring him in, right? They, they So you bring in this guy because it kind of gets pushed out of San Francisco because of the trade. And you think it's finally going to kind of stabilize and bring something in for the running backs. But then it, it just hasn't. And, and sometimes you look at the stat lines for the running game in the Dolphins. You're like, are you kidding me? Like what are you like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I really don't understand. Like, I, I guess we saw the same thing with Chase Edmonds earlier in the year, and now we're just seeing it again with Jeff Wilson. But it's it's painful because you you keep thinking, mm-hmm. okay, this is the starter. I'm going to start yeah. him next week, and then this yeah. happens every time. Um, for the Ravens, I mean, Kenyon Drake was the best of the worst. He only had 29 rushing yards and two couches for 17 yards, and he was the best on the team. Um, we, I said to sit Kenneth Walker last week. Obviously, I could not have predicted that he was going to get injured, but if you listen to me, then it didn't hurt you anyways. But he only had 36 yards, and then the two guys who came in behind him, DJ Dallas and Tony Jones Jr., had 37 and 14 yards on their own. Mm. So no matter who you started there, it was bad. And then for the Falcons, Cordero Patterson, 60 yards, Tyler Algier, 52 yards, Caleb Huntley, 17 yards. If you roll all that into one player, that's a good Mm -hmm. stat line. Split it across three, not so good. I I just don't understand. But uh, James Robinson, Derek Henry, and Alvin Kamara all had bad weeks as well. So this is the... Yeah, this is the problem when if you play the Eagles because the Eagles are especially weak against the running game, and even Derrick Henry couldn't do anything because the Titans fell behind so fast. Like when when was the last time Derrick Henry went against a team that is vulnerable to the rushing game, and he finished with a bad stat line? Has it happened? I I can't think of a time. I don't think so. Like I, I'm, I'm just trying to think. No, I like. I don't think it's happened. No, I mean he is usually one of the most rock solid people in terms of fantasy football. Yeah, he, he's I, almost in that. Well, he's kind of in that conversation of you. Why would you ever not start this guy? Right? Like that's it. Just he always is efficient. Yeah, like I'm just looking over his fantasy finishes for the year, and the only games where he's been sub ten points outside of this game were against the Giants. They're an okay defense, but that was in week one. So Tennessee had some stuff going on and then Buffalo and Denver. 
who are both top 10 defenses. Yeah. But the, the Eagles are a scary matchup and it's not like, yes, they have a strong defense. So you have to be worried about that. But the problem becomes your team falls behind so fast because of how well their offense is playing that you half your playbook is gone. Yeah. So yeah. definitely, definitely something to consider if you're, uh, if you have a fantasy player going up against them. Uh, but we'll move on to wide receivers. So for Conquerors, Devontae Adams, Almond Ross St. Brown, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. <laughs> um, I mean, I know it's a little obvious, but like we've got to talk about AJ Brown and and the week he had. You know, like that's he he had a fantastic game against his former team. Yeah, see, that's what you expect when you have someone going against their former team. They're exactly. going to go and ball out. Eight receptions, 119 yards, two touchdowns. One of them was yeah. the most wide open touchdown I think I've ever seen. I don't think that, <laughs> yeah. I think the closest defender was the guy that he left on the ground 20 yards behind him. I don't know if that cornerback got hurt or what happened there. Um, I just saw him laying on the ground and he never got back up. So I'm assuming he got hurt on that play, but mm-hmm. still. He literally could have just caught the ball, turned, and walked. He didn't even have to jog nothing. He would have been in the end zone, no problem. Yeah. Definitely. And then his other touchdown was a spectacular catch. The defender was literally on top of him, and he caught it. So I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you go against your former team and do what Deshaun Watson did, but AJ Brown showed us what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, that was a great, great game by him this week. Uh, some busts for the wide receiver position. We had George Pickens, Jalen Waddle, Zay Jones, Adam Thielen, and Juju Smith-Schuster. So now, it, the Waddle one, kind of disappointing because he got injured early in the game, but I don't think they ever actually pulled him out of the game. I think he I think no. he stayed in, just was out there just running around. Yeah, he, I mean, he had a couple early, I, I watched a good chunk of this game, and he had a couple early targets where he just didn't catch the ball, um, but then he just kind of became a non-factor as the game went on. So obviously the injury um, plays, a, plays a part in that, but normally, like, if, if Tua and uh, Tyree Kill, if they're having a good game, usually waddles a part of that as well. So that definitely is a pretty big disappointment because Waddle has become has become one of those receivers that you also are like, well, I might as well like if if two is healthy, might as well play him. Like if you're going to play Tyreek Hill, you should throw Waddle in there too. They've both been getting tons of yards. Yeah, Waddle and Tyreek Hill have both been pretty much locked in as a one A one B. Waddle tends to get a lot more of the short yardage work. Hill gets kind of more of the bomb stuff. But even then, Waddle still gets a good amount of deep targets on his own. So Tua has been able to sustain both of them. And I'm just looking over here. So Waddle was in the game for 24 out of 46 possible snaps, even with the injury. So like, I, with, with how consistent he is and how good of an offensive player, I'm kind of surprised they kept him in there when it was clear he wasn't going to be able to do anything because of his injury. And now... They have a late game, I believe, this week. So that kind of puts you in a tough spot if you're planning to start them because you're not going to be sure until the afternoon games have already gone by. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully you get something beforehand that tells you for sure, okay, yeah, he is going to be in or he's going to be out. So you don't end up sitting there 
before the Sunday night game and he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough situation. Uh, tight ends. So we had a week of no name tight ends. We had Greg yeah. Dulcich, Cade Otten, Noah Fant, Evan Engram, Cole Komet, Gerald Everett, and your favorite, Taysom Hill. I don't want to talk about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill <laughs> brought in two receptions for 35 yards and a touchdown, ran for 10 yards, and threw a pass for 21 yards, which I believe was good enough for a tight end three on the week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, sorry, tight end five. The difference between tight end one and tight end five was 1.5 fantasy points, though. So Yeah, and they, I mean, they got to use him more because he, he always seems like when you use him, he's pretty much scores, so I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, I've moved on from Taysom Hill. Yeah, you know who he scored more points than? Um, TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson, of course. Yeah. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, he also scored more points than Mark Andrews and Travis yeah. Kelsey, so... Yeah, I mean uh, that's <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, he, he when he when he's on, he's on. Taysom yep. Hill is a risk, but he can pay off really well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, some busts for the week at the tight end position: Robert Tunyon, Tyler Conklin, Tyler Higby, George Kittle, and Foster Moreau. Don't know who that is. You still don't know who Foster Moreau is? No, I refuse to learn his name. Okay. Uh, or anything about his life. So he's still the uh, the tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders, but unfortunately, <laughs> <He's> still... <laughs> unfortunately, he only caught one pass for thirty two yards. So mm. he only gave you four point three two fantasy points, or four point two uh, fantasy points. Sorry, not the best. No, no, not the best. But. Uh, if, if he gets in the end zone, then that's a good week for you, even if he only has one catch, right? At the end of the yeah. day, if, if if you're scraping the bottom of that tight end barrel, you're just looking for whoever gets in the end zone. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Uh, if he if he has a chance of getting in the end zone, you got to play him. Yep. And unfortunately, it's just a roll of the dice for when you're in those streaming positions as to who who's going to be it this week. Definitely. But uh, we'll move on to our starts and sits for week 14. So again, this article comes out every Friday. And uh, you can read the full article and the full explanations for why you should start and sit each player at conqueryourdraft.com. There'll also be a recap of the Thursday night game. And this ga- this recording is, like we said, it's it's recorded before the Thursday night game. So we don't talk about the players involved in that for our starts and sits over the week. Though, uh, you know, if... Uh... If we want to, we can, not this week, but maybe another week, we can go back to our uh, Thursday night predictions <laughs> where we say what we think has happened as if it's already happened. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> during, during for, for Thanksgiving, that was a fun thing. We might do that again sometime. Yeah, maybe we'll get into that for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. This week's game is just going to be too embarrassing to watch. So That's not even worth mentioning. Let's no, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to the quarterback starts of the week. So we've got Trevor Lawrence, assuming he's healthy, Geno Smith, and Kirk Cousins. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins. Old Kirk Cousins, Captain Kirk. So like we already kind of talked about, the Lions are the worst ranked defense in the NFL against opposing quarterbacks. And since the Vikings got completely embarrassed by the Cowboys, they've been on a bit of a roll lately. 
And the Lions have been on a roll as well. So they've been forcing their opponents to keep scoring and you can't really take your foot off the pedal against them. So he should be able to have a pretty strong matchup this week, especially with uh, Hawkinson, Jefferson and Thielen. So I, I think he I think he's got a chance to maybe not win you the week, but certainly uh, he won't leave you hanging this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, he's so long as he's not playing in prime time. Uh, yes, you're, you're I did confirm it's an afternoon game. <laughs> there you he go. Then he's fine. probably going to be fine. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to running backs. So we've got uh, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon. If Joe Mixon's not available, then you obviously you should be defaulting to Samaj P. Ryan. And both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wanted you to talk about that matchup for, for Cincinnati and what you kind of see there. So either... Joe Mixon or his backup, obviously, but but you know, talk a little bit about that matchup and why you think it works for the, for either running back. Well, if Joe Mixon's back, he should just automatically be in your starting lineup. He has the talent and the skill set that he should be always in your lineup, regardless of the matchup. But in case you need an extra reason why the Browns have one of the league's worst run defenses, so in the event that Mixon is out. Samaj P. Ryan will take his role as lead back, and he's playing against the exact same terrible run defense. And since Mixon's been gone, P. Ryan has been pretty productive for fantasy. So really, we know the Bengals are going to put points on the board. And with a defense that is that bad, like even Damian Pierce last week did not do terrible against uh, against the Browns, despite the Browns absolutely killing the Texans, they were still able to run the ball on them. And I had a bit of a bone to pick with why they weren't doing that a bit more because it was clearly working, but they Mm -hmm. kept, they would, they would get a few yards on first down with the run. Like they might get four or five yards, but then rather than keep leaning on the run, they would then throw it twice and turn over the ball. Yeah. Last week was not uh, how you should be judging Cleveland's defense. Like you shouldn't just pick them up because last week, like that was a, no, that was no. not. <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, they had the punt return and then they scored two touchdowns in garbage time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, by, by no means is Cleveland a, uh, a strong team. I'm pretty sure they were the one of the league's worst ranked defenses for fantasy going into the week. Yeah. Um, but if the Texans had maybe committed a bit more to the run game, then I think they could have kept the game either a bit closer or managed to put up some points before the fourth quarter when the Browns just gave up on even trying to pretend it was a close game anymore. Yeah. So looping back to the Bengals, whoever is going to be starting for the running back, whether it's Joe Mixon or Samaj P. Ryan, they should have a great week this week. There you go. At wide receiver, we've got Christian Kirk, T Higgins and Devonte Smith. Let's talk Devonta about Devonte Smith. Smith. You know, I don't really know if it's pronounced Devonta or Devonte. If anyone knows, please feel free to correct me. Uh, but in the past four weeks, he's not had less than eight targets each week. So obviously, A.J. Brown is the star of the Philadelphia receiving game. That's that's not a question. And opposing defenses know it, so they focus on A.J. Brown. But this has allowed Devonta Smith to become a valuable second option for Jalen Hurts, especially in like the short to intermediate range, because they've been doing a lot of deep throws to A.J. Brown, so they're covering and sending their safety towards whatever side of the field that he's on and dropping him back 
Whereas Devonte Smith has been hanging around in the middle of the field a lot more and running kind of like the short ins and outs and uh, post routes. And uh, in a week 14 against the matchups, I'm expecting that the Eagles are going to be putting up a lot of points on the board, especially if Barkley is able to have a good game against them and kind of keep things a little close. So Devonta Smith should be able to bring in a lot of those secondary looks from Jalen Hurts while the Giants focus on trying to avoid letting A.J. Brown embarrass them. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. (laughs) Uh, So at tight end, we've got uh, Hunter Henry, TJ Hawkinson, that should make you happy, Mike, and Gerald Everett. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely happy about Hawkinson, uh, but I want to hear about Hunter Henry um, because, I mean, <laughs> the, the you know, the team's offense has been inconsistent at best, let's say. So what do you what do you see this week? Yeah, inconsistent at best, I think, accurately describes them. And uh, Hunter Henry has not been good for fantasy as a tight end over the season. Neither him or Johnny Smith have. But I am banking on Bill Belichick's situational awareness in football to have Hunter Henry become a pretty good fantasy asset this week because the Cardinals are the league's worst defense against opposing tight ends, Mm. and they're currently ranked the second worst defense against opposing quarterbacks. So that means Mac Jones should be able to throw the ball a bit easier than he has been. And he should be able to take advantage of Hunter Henry, especially getting in towards the red zone. Yeah. So the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals defense will probably lock down one receiver with uh, Byron Murphy Jr. I would say it would probably be Jacoby Myers. And that should leave the rest of them pretty open to move the ball down the field. Should let Ramondre Stevenson get involved in the passing game. And it should open up a lot of opportunity for Hunter Henry. And with the way that Bill Belichick is always playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, I'm certain that he's aware of how vulnerable they are to the tight end position. And Hunter Henry should have a really steady involvement this week. Yeah, if there's one coach that I would trust to understand and see those things, it's Bill Belichick. Because sometimes you do get coaches who just... For whatever reason, you like you think they should be doing better. You think that it should be working for them. You really do think that they should see something that the stats are showing you, and they just they just don't. But Bill Belichick is someone who's always thinking in that exact way that you're describing, where he's going to look at this and be like, "This is my time to go to my my tight end and give him the chance here." Yeah, I mean, say whatever you want about Bill Belichick. I know there are a lot of people out there who hate him and who don't think he has as good of a coach as everyone else thinks he is. I think that Tom Brady carried the team, but he is a master strategist. He is always looking and he will tailor his offense or his defense or both week to week to go up against whatever their opponent has going mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And we've we've seen it for years now. And that's the one thing that you can always bank on with him is that he is going to game plan for this team specifically. Because you're right, there are coaches out there who just, okay, this is what we're doing. Doesn't matter who we're playing, we're going to do A, B, and C. Doesn't matter what team we're going up against. And then when it blows up in their face, everyone's asking, oh, well, why didn't it work this week? And it's because they didn't make any adjustments. And they're, I don't know if it's pride, if it's just they're stubborn. Maybe they're not as good of a coach. I don't know. But Bill Belichick is one who will. If they're weak against the run, 
he's running the ball. If they're weak against the pass, he's passing the ball. If they love to run, he's shutting that down. You know, every week it's something new with him. So I I expect that Hunter Henry should be a target for Mac Jones this week. We'll see if Mac Jones can deliver. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, right? The quarterback matters a lot in in this, and Mac Jones. It's been uh, it's he been, has been playing better beginning. lately. Yeah, he has no, been playing true. better. No, yeah. it's true. It's just it's been it has been a tough beginning for him in this league. Like I don't think he's really found his place yet. No, and I mean t- stepping into Tom Brady's shoes—that's a hard job for anybody either, right? Yeah. No, agreed. Uh, but we'll move on to the sits for this week. So at quarterback, we've got uh, Tyler Huntley, Daniel Jones, and Brock Purdy. <laughs> Let's talk about Brock Purdy. <laughs> so like I said earlier, he, he did do fairly well taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo against Miami. But Miami's defense has not been anywhere near a major threat this season, while the Buccaneers defense have been. So now he has to go toe-to-toe, not only with the Buccaneers defense, but he has to go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, who, for better or worse, is still getting things done. It's not pretty, but he's still getting it done. So Purdy needs to be able to take advantage of some key uh, plays, and in his second game in the NFL, I don't really see that happening, especially against this defense. Um, I think that the 49ers are going to lean on Christian McCaffrey a lot this week, like they did last week, and that just that just brings Purdy's ceiling down because even if he has an efficient game at that point, his amount of passes are going to be pretty low. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a pretty low scoring game because both teams have a very good defenses. Obviously the 49ers is one of the best in the league and, but it's, you're going against Tom Brady. So who knows how, which Tom Brady will show up, whether it'll be the goat or the one that we've seen more often than not this season but I think it'll be a pretty low scoring game and it's going to come down to the run game. Yeah, no, I think that that, that makes sense. I mean, it's man, what a tough situation for the 49ers to be in. Like what yeah. a touch. Like that's so to me, that's just so hard to deal with. Um, I'm just, uh, I, I, I feel for them. Like they're having, they were having such a great year, um, especially since the trade. I mean, like really the second half of the year, was good they really looked like they were going to be an unstoppable offense i just don't know what's happening in san francisco why can nobody stay healthy like they lose trey lance they lose jimmy garoppolo uh they lose elijah mitchell they lost they lost two or three running backs last year Debo's banged up like what is going on out there do they just abuse their players at practice or something like, <laughs> yeah I mean, is... I, there's got to be a reason there has to be a reason for yeah those, you know? what is going on out there yeah, like I am a Christian McCaffrey manager. I'm terrified that yeah. his his le- he's just going to explode on the field, like into a million pieces, and that will be it for Christian McCaffrey. But we'll move on to the running back sits for the week. So we've got Damian Pierce, Travis Etienne Jr., and Devin Singletary. Well, um, you know, as much as I would love to uh, talk uh, uh, about. Well, actually, we are going to. I was going to say well, maybe we should talk more about uh, somebody else. But I, I'm going to stick with Devin Singletary. I, I want to talk about whether or not you think, what you think you see for the Bills this week. We haven't really mentioned the Bills much this episode, so I'd really like to know what you think is going on there. I think this could be a very close game. The Bills have not been 
amazing on offense lately. They've still been good, but they haven't been like the elite unit that we've seen at the start of the year. And their mm-hmm. defense has been getting worse and worse as the season's gone on. Yeah. While the Jets' offense has been going up and up, and they have a very strong defense of their own. Uh, but more importantly, focusing in on Singletary. So last week, James Cook outsnapped Singletary. Mm. Yeah, he only had, I think, one more carry than him. But that's a huge difference from the week before, where I think James Cook only had two carries. And yeah. on top of that, Cook was more the more efficient runner in these yards per carry against a very tough Patriots run defense. So the way I see it, there's two different scenarios here where Singletary's fantasy value could implode because it's either they're going to do a committee like they did this past week against the Patriots, and now Singletary's work is cut in half because he's splitting with James Cook, or it could plunge because Cook becomes the number one and Singletary kind of becomes the second half of that committee or the third the uh, third down back, maybe goal line back, which does have value. But we also see Josh Allen throwing in the red zone a lot and rushing it in himself. So it's not like, I guess, more normal NFL teams where, you know, you get to within three or four yards. Okay, we're handing the ball off three times and we're scoring a touchdown. Yeah, you definitely don't see that with the Bills. They're they're more likely to try to use Allen's legs or or throw the ball. Yeah, and they'll throw it to anyone. They'll do... they're kind of like Kansas City, you know, like you never know what they're going to do because they have so many options and so many different people could catch the ball. Yeah. And it makes it hard to trust the running back, especially if he's only at the goal line back. So the road ahead for Singletary is very unclear. And this is by no means an easy matchup, even if he was getting all the work anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, I would honestly keep Singletary on your bench until this volatile situation kind of gives you a bit more light as to what's going on. Because... Yeah you want to know sooner than later if Singletary is going to be someone you can rely on heading into the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but we'll move on to wide receiver where we've got Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, and Jerry Judy. All right, Jerry Judy. Let's talk right. about it. Let's, let's well, hammer this out right now here. What, let's, fit, let's put the Broncos to bed. All right. Well, we already <laughs> talked about how bad Russell Wilson is, and quite honestly, that's... That's my main point in this argument is Jerry Judy is Wilson's Russell, uh, Russell Wilson's favorite target, but Russell Wilson has been terrible in both the NFL and fantasy. So as a result, Judy's fantasy is, uh, upside is capped. I mean, he had 10 points in PPR last week, and that could be close to his ceiling. You know, maybe he gets in the end zone, maybe he doesn't, but unless he does score you're in for a rough week. And even though they're going up against the Chiefs and the Broncos will need to score plenty to even stay in the game, we've seen nothing to suggest that Russell Wilson and the Broncos are capable of doing that. I mean, um, yeah, they, lost, <laughs> they, they lost They they lost 10-9 to the Lamar, Lamar Jackson-less Ravens last week. They, they couldn't even get down the field and score a field goal when Jackson left to, you know, really put it on to, uh, Tyler Huntley and, okay, you guys got to get back-to-back scores. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, the Ravens are a good defense, but we've seen the Broncos struggle in good matchups as well. So I think that, uh, I think the Chiefs are going to have their work cut out for them to score, but they will still score, and the Broncos are just going to try to hang on as long as they can. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a good matchup for the Broncos overall. No, it, it's so bad the NFL bumped them out of primetime. 
There you go. That's, they took that's Patrick. How bad they are. They took Patrick Mahomes out of primetime because of Russell Wilson. <laughs> when was the last time that happened? Grim Reaper. I mean, <laughs> I think Russell yeah. Wilson's right up there. <laughs> when was the last time that happened? Like, I understand I they make that. these, they make the schedule like ahead of time. Like, oh yeah, Denver, they just got Russell Wilson. This should be good. The Chiefs, they're great. Perfect. That'll be great primetime football. Little did they know that mm-hmm. Russell Wilson would do nothing. And would be yeah. so bad that even Patrick Mahomes isn't enough to save that primetime slot. <laughs> yeah, couldn't do anything. Like, uh, it, it just blows my mind that one player has been so detrimental to his team that yeah. it affects primetime matchups. I understand if two teams that ex- were expected to do well, they don't do as well. And, you know, okay, that's not going to be an exciting game. Let's get them out of here. But just one player did this. Mm. Wild. Wow. We'll wrap up with our tight end sit of the week. So we've got Tyler Conklin, Kate Otten, and Daniel Bellinger. Let's talk about old Katie Otten. So Kate Otten actually finished as the tight end one on the week in week 13. Um, but as we talked about, the difference between one and five was very small. Uh, but now the Buccaneers are going up against the 49ers defense. There's no guarantee that uh, Kate Otten's going to be able to replicate what he did last week, which was over, really not all that much. He just happened to get into the end zone. He, I mean, he had yeah. six catches for 28 yards. One of them got into the end zone, thankfully. <laughs> w- without that, he had a pretty averaged subpar fantasy finish. So really, and, unless he does that again. Yeah, so unless he gets in the end zone again, yeah. you're not getting anything from him. And you have to expect that Mike Evans is his slump is not going to continue on for as long as it is because just how how much of an elite talent that he is, as well yeah. as Chris Godwin. Yeah, I I wouldn't chase the points with Kate Otten. I would look for a different tight end streamer for this week. Makes sense. But uh, that is it for our starts and sits. So you can reach out to us through social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Conquer Your Draft. You can visit us at ConquerYourDraft.com. Go to our podcast page. If you have any questions for us, you can fill out uh, our questionnaire on there. Or you can email us directly at contact at ConquerYourDraft.com. If you email us early in the week, we can try to get your answers on the show and uh, get them out before uh, the weekend's matchups. Hopefully you guys are able to use these to your benefit. Good luck with your matchups.